Go with me, if you would, to the book of James, uh, chapter 1. Uh, I'm going to read a few verses uh, to y'all, but, and then we're going to circle back here to James. But the first verse, verses that we'll look at will be here in James. Uh, it's interesting when you do a Bible study or you hear a message preached, and sometimes there's a verse that you see and it catches your thoughts. And I've learned to sometimes, you know, that that may not be the exact topic that you're going to teach on, but it, it, it pricks your imagination. It gives you some food for thought. And then you start praying about it, thinking about it, and the Lord just keeps adding additional thoughts that help you build the lesson off of it. And, you know, I'm glad tonight, Wednesday night, is Bible study because I feel a lot more comfortable being a teacher than I do a preacher. A lot of times people don't realize there is a difference. One is teaching is trying to share information and maybe show how it applies. But preaching is designed to try to bring you to a point where you have to make a decision. And believe it or not, every time you hear a message, you do make a decision. You either decide to receive it or you decide to not receive it. Some people would like to say, well, I'm going to think about it for later. No, you made a decision not to receive it. But uh, tonight we'll look at James chapter 1, and we're going to, like I said, I'm going to read two verses from here, and then I'm going to read some additional verses that you don't have to turn to. I'll give them to you and read them to you, and then we're going to circle back here so you can hold your place here. But in James uh, chapter 1, starting verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, diverse temptations. It means basically different or various temptations. You know, a lot, you can think, some people think of temptations as only like a temptation to maybe steal or do something like that, but sometimes the temptations can be, I lost my job, am I going to trust God to take care of things, or am I going to cut and run, what am I going to do? It can be somebody hurts you, and there's a temptation to seek revenge or to get bitter. Um, there's just all sorts of different temptations that we can fall into. And James says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And then in Matthew chapter 5 and verses 11 and 12, and again, I'll just let you let me read these now for time's sake, but it says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. That's a key word, falsely. For my sake, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10, Paul writing says, Therefore I take pleasure... In infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Now you look at those key words in that and it's counted all joy. Um, rejoice, be exceeding glad. Uh, I take pleasure in. And it's not talking about good things, is it? You know, happening to you. Now, who inspired the, the Bible? You know, God the Holy Spirit. You know, can he lie or make a mistake? No, he can't. 
But, you know, I'll be honest with you. My first impulse is I would really rather not. Now, would you rather your deacons lie to you and just say, no, you know, I'm, I'm a spiritual giant and I just embrace all this uh, persecution and diverse temptation? Because my first impulse is I would just really rather not. And I got a feeling I, the list, you know, if people would be honest in their heart, there'd be quite a few hands that might rise with me uh, on that. That the flesh really doesn't want to go through these trials, these problems that uh, the Bible says uh, that we're supposed to rejoice in, uh, be glad, um, you know, I take pleasure in. And when I look at the list that they're talking about, Rick doesn't say that's what he'd really like to volunteer for. Um, you know, the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41 said, The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I think I could amen on that, the flesh is weak part. Would you agree with me? Because I really, really, really would rather not. I mean, I can't tell you how much I would really rather not go through the things that were described in those other verses. And I think, like I said, if anyone stopped and really thought about it, they'd have to agree. In fact, I think sometimes, of course, the Lord knows best. He knows everything. But I wonder if he's given us the benefit of the doubt even when he says the spirit is willing. Because, you know, the, but the flesh is weak. But I know that when you list, look at that list of things that we're supposed to be glad about, take, rejoice in it, I take pleasure in it, that would be hard for me to embrace on first blush, especially just thinking about it as what the flesh would like to do or not do. And But the thing that you have to look at is, do I really have a choice in the matter? You know, what does Job tell us in is Job chapter 14 and verse 1? It says, man that is born of woman is of a few days and full of trouble. Now, let me, we go back to that deal. Can God lie? So, if you're born onto this earth, what's the prognosis? A few days and full of trouble. So, you know, we used to have a, a little poodle dog. Uh, named Louie, little miniature poodle. And we took him back home to Oklahoma to visit my folks. And my dad had one of those plaques that had the fish on it that when you push the button, it starts singing, you know, and flopping around. You remember those plaques when they were popular to get? Well, the first time or two Louie saw that, it just kind of messed with him. You know, he looked at it, you know. But after two times... You could do it right, in fact, the chair that it was, the table it was set on was right next to where Lisa would sit, and Louie always was in her lap. So that thing was only like two foot away, and we'd go over and push the button, and he'd just not, not even look. You know, it just, he's just in denial. You know, that, that thing ain't right. <laughs> you know, he, and it was just messing with his head, and so, you know, you'd push that thing, and it's just flopping and singing right over, and he'd just never look. He, you know, he's just in total denial uh, about that fish. And the thing is, a lot of us go through life in total denial to what the Scriptures tell us, and that is our days are few, and they're going to be full of trouble. They are coming. And um, the thing that we have to look at is, you know, you back up and you say, okay, it's going to happen. So then you sit there and you ask yourself, well, who's allowing it? 
who's allowing it to happen? In other words, is God in control or not? You know, does, is God on his throne and is he in charge? And the Bible tells us in the book of Naaman in chapter 1 and verse 3 that the Lord hath his way in the whirlwind. In other words, be it a dust devil or a tornado or a hurricane or whatever, nothing happens in this life that God doesn't either make it happen or he allows it to happen. And because of the sin nature that we have and others around us have and the curse that's on this world, the Bible says that we're going to have trouble. Some of it we're going to have of our own making. Some of it's going to be trouble that people bring upon us and circumstances bring upon us. But God allows it. So when when you think about it, if if God's allowing it and if God words, God's word tells me it is going to happen, which is going to prevail, me, I would really rather not, or God? Who's going to prevail? You know, the Lord's going to prevail, isn't it? It's, in other words, it's going to happen, and me trying to be like Louie and just deny that it's going on isn't going to benefit me any at all, is it? So the trouble is coming it's promised to me by the Word of God. You know, there's some promises in the Bible that we love to claim. But there's a few of them that we'd just rather not. And But the thing is, we're promised that trouble is going to come our way. But we need to realize who's allowing it. And it's our Lord that's allowing it. And there's a purpose in it. And so what we have to look at is since it is going to happen, I need to look and try to pull from it from that experience, whatever the benefits are that God intended for me to draw from it. Does God love us? You know, he proved that by sending Jesus to die on the cross. I mean, if you, if you ever lack it, you, the, the thought that you're loved, all you have to do is look at what Jesus did for us on the cross. He's proved to us from the very beginning that he loved us. And so if he's allowing trouble to come our way, part of it is because of our own sinful nature, I mean, you know, no one, twi- no one makes me do my sins. No one twists my arm up behind my back. You know, Rick goes to his sins because that's what Rick wants to do. And others around me do the same thing, and sometimes that impacts me. But I know God loves me, and if he's allowing things to happen, there's a purpose. It could be that I brought it on myself, or it could be if it's not the case, and he's got a purpose in it, and he's trying to do something for me. Uh, and I need to learn to seek out and try to extract the benefits uh, from the experience. And some of the uh, benefits that we could look at is back here in James, and we'll read the whole section here in verses 2 through 7 of chapter 1. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let, him, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now let me ask you this. 
To be double-minded, do you realize you have to be saved to be double-minded? Because when you're lost, who's in charge all the time? So to be double-minded, you have to be saved. But what you're not doing is you're not deciding for sure which camp you're willing to live in. You've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, but then when he tries your faith... You go back to the old things that used to work for you. You either, either maybe you lied your way out of problems or you denied that there was anything going on. It just whatever your tendencies were before you got saved on how you dealt with situations, you have a choice to make. Are you going to live by faith and trust the Lord? Or are you going to fall back onto the old habits, the things that used to work for you? So what one of the things that the Lord is trying to do here with us is God is trying to build our faith. Uh, he's trying to uh, help us get to the point where we make a final decision. He's bringing trials into our life, and he's trying to get us to live by faith. Because once God gets a chance, if you will try to walk by faith, and you stay with the program as far as whatever it is you're going through, and you handle it right, It doesn't really give you a chance to prove how faithful you are, but it does give God his chance to prove to you how faithful he is. And that's where your confidence will come from to face the storms that this life is going to throw at you. And so we see here that one of the benefits is is that God is trying to build your faith. That patience, what, what are we talking about with patience? Well, that patience is... Okay, I'm going to wait and let God work this out, however God's going to work it out. But most of us, our tendency, how many of us have ever laid something at the foot of the cross, got two steps away, and then ran back and picked it up so we could worry about it some more? That's the double-minded. And God says, don't expect to get your answer from me. If you're going to be that way, make a decision. Decide who you're going to trust. I know one thing, how much really can we do? I mean, most of the things that come up as problems that you're really worried about, how much of it is really in your control anyway? You know, we think, you know, we we put on a, a veneer of thinking that we're in charge and we got this under control. We have so little under control. You know, our health is in God's hands. All the different things of life are in God's hands, and he can pull the rug out from under us any moment. And so if you're really trying to live in your own strength and walk in this life in the knowledge that, hey, I've got this under control, it'd be hard for me to lay my head on the pillow at night because I'd be worried to death if Rick's got to be in charge. So God is He's telling us in this scripture here, it says, count it all joy when diverse, temp- diverse temptations, knowing that this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. God's going to be insistent about this anyway. How many of you, I know in my life, I'll just confess my faults, God has sometimes put me in a situation and I didn't handle it the best. But eventually it blows over. But guess what? God still wants to teach me the same lesson. So I went through whatever I went through and got nothing for it except for we get to do round two. It may have a slightly different face on it, 
But if God took me to that door the first time, guess what? God's, God's got a purpose. And God's not repentant about the things he wants to do. And so it's better that we handle it well the first time and go on through. Because we're going to come right on back. And I don't want to do it seven, eight, nine, ten times. Because you get some scars after a while. So we also see, if you would, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, one thing, when you do find yourself in a situation, whatever that situation is, one of the first things you ought to do is go to the Lord and see if he will take it away. And we can see an example of that if you will look at uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll start in verse 7. Paul writing here said, Lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that, he might, that it might depart from me. So we see here the Apostle Paul having a thorn in the flesh, and something that came his way, and he prayed three different times earnestly to the Lord that he would take it away from him. Now, if the Lord is just trying to find out who you're going to turn to, who you're going to earnestly go to when your problems come, that may have been all the tuning up of your faith that God needed right at that moment. In other words, he may see fit to take you right on out of that situation, whatever the problem is. So the Apostle Paul thought it was wise to go to the Lord praying about an issue. In fact, he was so consistent and his prayer about it, that he went three different times to the Lord, asking him to remove this situation, whatever it was. Some people think it's his eyesight, some others. But whatever his issue was that he needed help with, he went to the Lord with it. And so I think the Lord, one of the things he does with trials, and again trying to help us decide which camp we're going to finally settle into, where are we going to go in our situations turn wrong and that is he wants us to be very consistent in our prayer life we have lost loved ones who else can save them but our lord jesus christ we've got to go to him in prayer we have all sorts of different issues in our life we have loved ones and prayer takes us to the very throne of god seeking the help that we need go with me if you would to the book of uh, hebrews chapter 11 Now, we're going to come back here, but go to Hebrews chapter 11. And in Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 6, in fact, we'll just read that one verse here. It says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In other words, to take something consistently to the Lord is acknowledging in your heart, this is the only place I can go for my help. How many times have we sometimes said one prayer about something and then we don't circle back to it? Well, 
okay, maybe we really do trust the Lord and we put it out there like we should, but I guarantee you if you're consistently going to the Lord about an issue that's burdening your heart and you want the Lord to intervene on your behalf and help this person or help yourself or change a circumstance, you're proving to the Lord and also to yourself who you really depend on. And the thing is, when God answers that prayer, who are you going to give the credit to? Because self always tries to slip itself in there. You know, we can think we're as humble or humble as we should be, but I guarantee you pride's there. It's just not too below the surface. We all have it. And it wants to rise up and it wants to take credit when good things happen. It was my little brother that did it when it was bad, but... You know, uh, that don't work so well. Well, he actually works for me, so I can pay him to take the blame. But, um, but the thing is, um, when good things happen, there's a prideful tendency to step up and try to take credit for it. But when we've been disobeying it in prayer, diligently, consistently taking something to the Lord in prayer, when things happen, who are we going to give the credit to? We're going to give it to the Lord we went to. What's that going to do for our confidence in his ability to take care of us? It's going to strengthen it. And that's what all these different things that we're talking about is leading to. God wants us to finally settle in our hearts. Who's going to take care of you? And I guarantee you it'll help you sleep well at night to know who's on the throne of your heart. God's already on the throne. But sometimes we put self on the throne of our own heart. And God wants to be there. And with that comes peace and joy that passes all understanding. And we also see, going back to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we look in verses 9 through 11, the Lord's answer to Paul when he prayed that the thing be removed And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, how is that so? How is his strength made perfect in our weakness? Does it circle right back to that pride problem? That if we're not, we don't acknowledge in our own heart, this is beyond my ability to cope with. This is beyond my ability to fix. We won't give the Lord his due, maybe, when good things come from it. So because of that, he sometimes will take us beyond our abilities to cope. In other words, he's got to put us in a situation that scares us. I mean, if it takes faith to work your way through something, why does it take faith? I mean, if you think you've got it fixed and you can handle it, what's faith got to do with it? But God's moved you into a situation that's beyond what you think you can handle, and it scares you enough, and you get real serious about your prayers, you're turning it over to the Lord, and then when he fixes it, you give him all the glory for it. But it says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, and distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. The thing that we see here um, 
is Paul, when he get, got to the point where he knew that he had to be dependent, there was something God took away from him, maybe in his health. It could have been his eyesight. We're not sure. But it made him where he had to be dependent on God providing helpers. It put him in a constant situation of dependency. But dependency on who? On the God who could speak and worlds get created? Think of the power that we deny ourselves and the victories that we deny ourselves because in our silly pride, we try to do it ourselves. And we don't put ourselves in that humble position of dependency on the Lord and then have access to all that power, the power that will resurrect us, the power that spoke and worlds came into existence. I mean, there is just unlimited abilities available to us, but we deny ourselves it because we just don't go to him as we should. We also see, um, if you go with me in 2 Corinthians to chapter 1, So God wants to, in that last section, wants to show us or to know the power that he has to take care of us. But here in these verses, God wants us to be able to comfort and encourage others. And we see here in verses 3 and 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforted us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. In other words, the purpose sometimes that God puts you through something is so that when God takes you back out the other side and gives you the victory, and then some brother or sister or a family member is going through something similar, you can pull up beside that person and share with them what God did for you. We had a lady in the church, and my mind, I, I've lost, uh, but she died of cancer about eight years ago, just about the time my father died. But the thing is, she had three, she was dying, and I went by her home to visit. She had cancer, and we visited her several times at the hospital and stuff. Having cancer myself, it, it, it gives you a, a sensitivity to others going through it. And the thing is, we had just got home from burying my father one or two days before that. And her three sons, who were about my age, were there. And they were really tore up about their mama about to pass. And I was able to walk up to them and say, guys, I said, I just buried my father two days ago. I know what you're going through. Because you can tell somebody you think you know what they're going through, but when you, you know, but when it's been that fresh, they realize it wasn't. I was able to try to be a friend to them and to be a comfort to them. And there's other situations. There's been people that I've come in contact with that are just getting diagnosed with cancer and they don't have any clue about what they got to look forward to. They don't understand what all the process and you can sit down with them. And kind of share with them in generalities of what you can anticipate. 
armed with a little bit of information, it gives you a lot of peace because when you first walk in there and they use the word cancer in your name in the same sentence, it kind of messes with your head. And, and you guys have all been through different things in life, different life experiences, and God has found a way to comfort you during those situations, and he didn't do it to waste that opportunity. He wants you to embrace what he did for you, have confidence in what he did for you, and then use that information to be a comfort to somebody else. How many of you want to, you know, your own loved ones, and they're going through something, but God had already put you through it some years before, and you can be a comfort. But the trouble is, if you allowed yourself to get bitter about the situation, if you didn't handle it well, what do you have to offer on the situation? So God puts us through different trials and stuff so that he can educate us, he can comfort us, he can pull us through the situation, but it's not just to be a wasted opportunity. It's a, it's a resource in our life that we could go to somebody we really care about or just someone that we should care about and be a comfort to them. By sharing with them, as the scripture tells us, says that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So don't waste your experiences. The thing is, we're going to go through them. We've already established that, that God's going to bring them our way, but it is our loving God that's doing it, and he's doing it for a purpose. And then the last thing we'll look at, if you go with me to Matthew chapter 5. fingers to work. Matthew chapter 5, our Lord Jesus speaking, we'll look at verses 11 and 12. It says, the Lord speaking, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. The thing that I gather from these verses here is that God, the Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't want you to miss out on a full reward in heaven. We're all going there one day if we've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And we can go through life and we're promised these troubles are going to come our way. But if we handle them well, if we handle them with faith, if we handle them in prayer, if we let them accomplish what God wants us to do in our life, we get to take the full reward with us to heaven. We get the comfort of the Lord in this life. We get the helps of the Lord in this life. But we also get to take a full reward with us to heaven. And there, and I don't know if it will happen before then, um, because, again, the flesh is weak. But if we handle the situations right, I know from glory we'll be able to do what the Scripture tells us, and that is to count it all joy, rejoice and be exceeding glad, and to take pleasure in the fact that the Lord, through His grace, brought us through these troubles. They're going to come our way anyway. It's all a matter of how we embrace them and how we turn them over to the Lord 
and allow him to accomplish what he would like to accomplish. I want to thank you all for your good attention. Brother Terry, could I get you to close this in a word of prayer?